0: Welcome to a refreshing podcast from Life Church. Get ready. The Word of God will be planted into your heart and will produce God's best in your life. I prophesy that this year, the end of this year, by the end of this year, everything that has held you frustrated your progress will no longer hold you will no longer frustrate your progress you're entering into a season of incredible freedom and breakthrough you are entering a season of incredible freedom and breakthrough in the name of Jesus the next three to four months will be the best months of this year for your life in the name of Jesus In the name of the Lord, the Lord is going to astound you. It's going to do the things that you've prayed for, you've yearned for, you've cried for. I see it happening for you in the name of the Lord Jesus. Amen and amen. Praise God. Hallelujah. Glory to God. I am so excited for the season that we are in. If you don't know, we've been in a season of prayer. We've been embarking on 21 days of prayer, and it's been remarkable. Many of you have come, and um, it's been amazing. And I want to encourage you for the next se- for the second half of 21 days. We're tomorrow. It will be day 14, I believe. Day 14 will be tomorrow, so you have a solid week. A solid week to come join us. We were, the first week, we, we prayed along the lines of consecration. The second week, we prayed along the lines of relationships, all kinds of relationships. This week, we'll have another theme, and we want to encourage you to be a part of that. Uh, we're, exper- we're, we're, we're expecting great breakthrough. Um, I've been challenging every single person that has been coming. To hold on to something that, that one thing, one thing they can hold on to, that they want to see by the end of 21 days of prayer. And we've already beginning testimonies of that. And so jump in, jump in, amen? Jump in on this. It's every weeknight from 7 to 8 p.m. Every weeknight from 7 to 8 p.m. And on Saturday, 10 to 11 a.m., 10 a.m. to 11. So we welcome you to be a part of that. We'll be there tomorrow. I'm going to get straight into the word of God. I'm excited about uh, the series that we're in. Um, we've been teaching on faith today. And uh, th- the the series is faith, the fight you will always win. And I've been getting a lot of testimonies about this. And so I want to encourage you to lock in with me because God is stirring us up in the area of faith. And he has a lot more to say concerning this subject. So we're going to have a great time. I was reminded just in conversation yesterday of just something that came to my heart of a time in my life when I was very bitter towards uh, police. I was very bitter towards police because, because of one small incident that took place. I remember I was, and I think I shared this with the church before, but for some of you, this might be new. I was, it was a Saturday morning and I was on my way to preach somewhere and this particular church was, um, had me in for the very first time. So I'm excited about preaching. It's Saturday morning, I got my shoes on, you know, I'm ready to go. And unbeknownst to me, um, my license was suspended. And it had been suspended for two years. I didn't know that. Uh, so I was meeting someone literally a block from the time that the police pulled me over he called me to, just to check in to see where am I. So I picked up the phone, literally for one second, just to say, hey, I'm approaching you, right? In fact, not only did I do that, but while I picked up the phone, I actually pulled over to the side because I'm not accustomed to talking on the phone um, you know, while driving. So I pulled over, but I did pick up the phone just to tell him, hey, I'm about a block or two away from you, right? But that one second of doing that, um, there happened to be a police officer who was on the other side of the corner and he turned around and I'm already pulled over I'm already pulled over. I'm talking to the guy. I'm letting him know exactly where I'm gonna be and the police comes and You know he comes to my car and he says can I have your license? You know, so I kind of played dumb like well, what's going on? I knew he caught me, but I was like well, what's happening He says, well You were talking on the phone and you know you can't do that. I said, okay, no problem so I gave him my license Thinking this is gonna be a quick thing, you know, I'll probably get a ticket, but you know, I'll be on my way. Maybe five minutes, 10 minutes goes by, he gets out the car and he says, Step out the car, sir. And I'm like, Step out the car. He says, Yeah, step out the car. You're driving with a suspended license. I have to take you in. And that was a whole ordeal that led to me being put into central booking for about 12 hours. I was really upset i was sort of embarrassed here i am about to preach i got to call the pastor of the church hey man i got arrested but uh have a great time you know (laughs) you know it was just so weird like this is happening and i remember feeling very angry because i felt like this could have been dealt with in a very easy way you know give me a summons and just you know but instead i had to be there for 12 maybe a little longer than that hours And if it hadn't been for someone I knew who was a detective, I would have been there all weekend. You know, they actually came in and, you know, got me out. Um, What happened after that led to me feeling uh, an extreme amount of bitterness. I don't know why, but that one incident really affected me. And I would at times have dreams. And I would have dreams that had nothing to do with the police. It would be... Maybe a negative dream. Maybe a nightmare of sorts. And this is what happened. This is what Satan was trying to do to get me to really come really entrenched into bitterness. Towards the end of the dream, though it had nothing to do with the police department, a badge or NYPD would just flash across my my dream. Just like that. It would happen repeatedly. And it took me a while to realize what was happening. Satan wanted me to get into a place of bitterness and anger and resentment, and I remember prior to that, I never felt that, you know, I've always felt, you know, even though, even though I had a couple of run-ins before, I never had a problem with police, but that, for whatever reason, that incident really stuck with me, and it angered me, because I felt like it was an act of injustice. It was silly, but that's how I felt, and the Lord began to challenge me to think differently, think differently and the reason why I'm bringing this up is because faith will challenge you to think differently even about negative experiences that you've gone through I want to share that with you because I had to make a decision to think differently and to feel differently there's a period in history called the silent years or the intertestamental period That's the period between the Old Testament and the New Testament. And it's estimated that about 400 years existed between the two Testaments. And in that 400 period of time, 400 years of time, there was no widespread revelation, there was no prophecy, there was no major prophet. God, in essence, wasn't necessarily speaking to the nation of Israel in a major way. Like you see in the Bible, you see Daniel, you see Habakkuk, you see all these prophets. There was a period of 400 years before Jesus came on the scene where there was none of that. So it was a very silent period, but yet there was a lot of, there was a lot of chaos going on. And in that time period, there were a lot of wars There were a lot of empires, mainly the Persian Empire, the Greek Empire, the Roman Empire. Those are the three empires that were battling each other and it it, it caused Israel to be in flux. So there was a lot going on, a lot of craziness, and God not saying much, right? Have Have you ever gone through a period of your life where you felt like God wasn't saying much to you? A lot's going on, but you don't hear the voice of God right what what does that do if you're not careful it can lead to bitterness it could lead to anger God don't you see that I'm suffering don't you see I'm going through this what are you saying make it plain right I'm sharing all this because I want you to see something there's usually a time in our life where we go through a difficult time where we go through something and then God shows up on the scene And he challenges us with this word. And this word is found in Mark 1, 14 to 15. Now, after John was put in prison, that's very significant. After John was put in prison, Jesus came to Galilee, preaching the gospel of the kingdom of God. What does the word gospel mean? So now, for those who don't know, John, we're talking about John the Baptist. John is the cousin of Jesus. John the Baptist is about six months older than Jesus. Okay. So they were pretty close. They knew each other. This wasn't like a, a sometimes when you read the Bible, it looks like they weren't, but they were actually family members. Okay. And so here you have John, Jesus's cousin, thrown into prison. And what does Jesus say? He came to he comes to Galilee preaching the good news of the kingdom of God and saying, the time is fulfilled, and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe in the gospel. Why did I why did I connect these, these this and the story that I just shared with you? It's because a lot of times when you go through difficult things, go, go through difficult things. God will challenge you to believe something good, and that will be be tough. Here, John the Baptist is thrown in prison, and Jesus is saying, hey guys, the time is fulfilled. Believe in the good news. Believe in something different. I know you haven't heard from a major prophet in over 400 years. I know that you're under occupation. I know that things have not been great for the nation of Israel, but I'm coming with a word, repent. Now, I want to be very clear about this because John the Baptist came with a similar word, but John's, John's repentance was mostly about works. Stop stealing, stop extorting, stop being a thief, stop lying. That was John the Baptist's message. Jesus didn't come with a corrective theology so much. He corrected things, don't get me wrong, but that wasn't what he was emphasizing when he said repent. He was emphasizing believe something different. I know things have been tough, but believe something different. I know you haven't had a widespread of revelation, but believe something different. What do I want you to believe? I want you to believe in the what? The good news. I want you to believe in the good news. I want you to believe in the gospel. Have you ever, maybe you can relate to this. Have you ever come to a point where it's hard to believe in the good news? You've gone through so much bad things that it's difficult to believe in anything good. Yeah, right. I heard that before. Yeah, okay, when? Yeah, oh, you know what? I don't want to hear it until I see it. And this is the climate that Jesus was stepping into. I know you have religious leaders that don't care about you. I know the Romans are tough. I know you have tax collectors that are doing you dirty. But I'm here to tell you, believe in the good news. Change your mind, repent, and believe. I know you think the Messiah should look a certain way. I know you think that I should sound a certain way. I know you think I should do certain things, and you have certain expectations. But I want, I want you to put all of that aside and believe the good news. I want you to really think about that. Because for me, going back to my story, I had to believe something different. The Lord began to challenge me, believe, believe that police officers are ministers of mine, according to Romans. Oh, no, 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 not that cop, nope, he's a minister, he's a minister of justice, believe that, believe that even in injustice, and mine, mine was nothing compared to what people really go through believe that even in that i raise people up to be a voice of justice and change things believe that believe things can get better believe that believe things can turn around believe that in other words i want you to turn the page And not be bitter, not think about the past relationships that failed, not think about injustices that were done, not think about things that didn't go your way, not think about failures. I'm coming to you to tell you, repent. See, when we hear the word repent, what we mostly think about is stop sinning. Stop lying. Stop cussing. Stop, stop fornicating. Stop doing this. And yes, all of that is true, but Jesus wasn't really coming with that. He was saying, have a different opinion about the time you're living in. I've come to give something unique. I've come to give something different. I've come bearing good news, and I want you to believe it. Somebody say, believe in the good news. There's good news for you. We're talking about faith. I want to share what that good news is. But there's good news for you. That you have a responsibility to believe. So that was my story. What's yours? What's yours? Some people, it's very difficult for them to see past their parents' relationship. Their parents' relationship is not good news. Jesus steps on the scene and he's telling you, repent think differently believe the good news see the good news is not just that jesus died for your sins and rose from the grave ascended and he's returning that's the good news too but it's more than that because remember jesus is telling them to believe the good news and he didn't he didn't yet die so what was the good news for them in that period of time the good news for them in that period of time is that i been i have been born And I've come to give a message. That's the good news for you. But for us, it's different. And every generation, it may be different. It always builds on the fact that Jesus died for our sins, rose from the grave, is alive today. That's always the top, 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 most precious good news you could ever hear. But anything, any promise that God gives you, he is challenging you today. Believe in it. Don't look at the past. Don't be bitter. Don't be unforgiving. Don't hold on to what didn't work. I'm here to tell you, repent. Have a different opinion and believe the good news. So what's your story? What what do you need to believe differently? When you think about that, what do you need to believe differently? There's some people who are bitter towards women. I know men who are bitter towards women. They feel like their mom wasn't caring and nurturing. And it's funny. What's interesting is that people will be quicker to forgive their fathers than they will their mothers. Mothers get a bad rap sometimes. I know people who are bitter against even their dads. And Jesus is saying to you, repent. Have a different opinion about what is now. I have good news for you. What's your story? I'm talking slow because I want you to really think about it. Are you bitter towards a loved one, a husband, a wife? Here's the word of the Lord to you repent and believe the good news. Pastor, what's the good news concerning my marriage? It's bad, I get it, but it can turn around. Believe that. I feel hurt, betrayed. I understand that. But I can heal you. Believe that. Pastor, what's the good news concerning this situation that I'm in? The good news is it can turn around in a nanosecond. Believe that. We all have a responsibility to believe the good news. John chapter (laughs) 1 Chapter 45 to 49, one of the things I want to encourage you to believe, believe, and this is the good news, that Jesus has a favorable opinion concerning you. And when you think about that, let me, let me before I even read that, let me, let me, let me slow down here. I want, to, I want you to really get this. Think about your lowest point, your lowest moment, when you feel like you failed God. Think about a time when you feel like you didn't measure up to what God was calling you to do, calling you to be, how he was calling you to live. I want you to think about that. Now, in that moment, what do you think God's opinion of you was? What do you think he's thinking about you? Do you think he's thinking, man, you just don't ever learn, do you? You just never get it right. You're just a hard-headed person. How many times I have to forgive you? How many times do we have to, I have to hear the same prayer? Are you really serious? These are thoughts, these are words that we hear. This again? You didn't you just sing, I'm free, I'm free, I'm free, and You're you're dealing with this again? Man, get get it together. You may not be quick to admit it, but many times these are the feelings and thoughts that we have about what God thinks about us. Here's the good news. All of that is a lie. And Jesus is telling you to repent for thinking that way and believe the good news. What's the good news? I have a favorable opinion towards you. I think highly concerning you, but I failed so many times. Yeah, I know, but I have a favorable opinion towards you. I want you to see something that always blesses me. It makes me laugh a little bit. John chapter one, verse 45 to 49. This is when Jesus is emerging on the scene and he's assembling his disciples and they're getting to know who he is. So Philip found Nathanael and said to him, we have found him of whom Moses in the law and also the prophets wrote, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. And Nathanael said to him, Nathanael was one of his disciples, but this is, th- is Nathanael's first opinion about Jesus. Can anything good come out of Nazareth? Jesus was from the hood. I, I, want, I want you to know that. So th- think about Jesus was from What what, what hood do we have? Jesus was like from Brownsville. So disciples came and said, yo, we found Jesus. I don't know Brownsville that well. Well, Give me a street. Give me a project name. Pink house. Okay, we know the pink houses. Yeah, the pink houses. And you know what Nathaniel said? Jesus, the Savior, the one that was prophesied of all the prophets, can anything come from the pink houses? Can anything come from Brownsville? Can anything come from all these places? That was his opinion of Jesus. Philip said, come and see. Come and see. Just, just come. Jesus saw Nathaniel coming toward him and said of him, Behold, an Israelite indeed, in whom is no deceit. Nathaniel said, "How do you know me?" Jesus answered and said to him, "Before Philip called you, when you were under the fig tree, I saw you." What touches me about this is that even though Nathaniel had a negative opinion about Jesus, it didn't change Jesus' opinion about him. He said, "Yeah, I saw what you said. Can anything come from Nazareth? Yeah. No. What did he, the first word he gave was a word of blessing. An Israelite, behold, there is no deceit in you. That's the kind of grace that Jesus carries. That his opinion towards you is not even based on your opinion towards him. I love that. Because some people have negative things and feelings and thoughts concerning the Messiah, concerning Jesus and jesus thinks the world of them and his love the bible says his goodness will lead them even to repentance jesus answered and said before Philip called you when you were under the fig tree i saw you nathaniel answered and said to him rabbi you are the son of god you are the king of israel this is the beauty Of Jesus and you understanding that he has a favorable opinion of you. Look at how Nathaniel now started saying something different. He changes confession because of the confession that Jesus had concerning him. I want you to grab hold of that. That's the good news. What is God saying about you? What is he saying about you? Some of you think that he's disappointed. He's shaking his head. He's upset. He's, you know, no, he's looking at you and he's saying, behold, I'm well pleased. And I deal with you as a father. See, some people have a hard time dealing with this because they think, well, what do you you mean? It doesn't matter how I live my life. Yes, it does. But God deals with you as a child of God. He doesn't deal with you as some stranger from the street who he can't. No, no. He looks at you and he loves you. And he's saying to you today, believe the good news. Believe that this is my opinion of you. How many believe that today? God's opinion towards you is favorable. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Romans chapter 3. Let me share something with you that you've, you've, you've probably heard before, but let me just. Clarify Romans 3, 23, verse 26. It says, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. You know that scripture? We use this scripture sometimes wrongly because we look at it as something that we are presently under. And some translations even put it in brackets, and I think they add to this translation that they shouldn't because some people would say it's a continual fall and you're continuously falling short of God's glory. But this particular scripture is really saying all of us were born in sin, all of us were shaped in iniquity, all of us in our natural condition have fallen short of God's glory. And that word glory means opinion. If you look at the word glory it means opinion. God had a certain opinion of us and all of humanity. God's opinion of all of humanity prior to Christ was that we are short of his glory. We can never measure up. We can never be what he's called us to be. We can never be compatible with him. We can never have relationship with him. We constantly fall short. But all of that changed. When Jesus became our substitute. Yeah. You, Jesus. So I want you to be very careful when you read the scripture like this, because sometimes you can say, well, we all fall short. We all fall short. We all fall short of the glory of God. We're all, un-. notice what, you, if you don't realize it, what you're saying is, I'm short of God's good estimation and good opinion of me. No, God has a high opinion of you. He has a high estimation of you. Thank you, Jesus. This is good stuff for me. I don't know if it's helping you, but it's blessing me. Verse 24 says, being justified. That's a legal word. When you hear and see the word justified, it means a declaration. It's an opinion. Like judges, they offer opinions. Supreme Court judges, they offer opinions. They let you know what their judgment is. Right, And when you see the word justify, it's an opinion that God has made concerning you. He's declared something over you. And that word justified means he's declared you just. He's declared you righteous. That's his opinion of you today. Therefore, when you go back to verse 23, it's not talking about we're constantly falling short of God's glory. It's talking about we were all born under that condition. But in Christ, God has a different opinion of you. Thank you, Jesus. That's good stuff right there. I'm telling you, grab a hold of this. Being justified freely. Somebody say freely. Freely. By his grace Through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus, whom God set forth as a propitiation by his blood through faith to demonstrate his righteousness. Because in his forbearance, God had passed over the sins that were previously committed to demonstrate at the present time his righteousness that he might be just and the justifier Of the one who has faith in Jesus. Glory to God. I'm going to read that one more time. He is not only just. But he is the justifier. He is the justifier. Of the one who has faith in Jesus. That's the good news to believe. That's the good news to believe. I have been justified. I have been redeemed. I have been washed. God has a good opinion of me. In Christ Jesus, he is not shaking his head. I believe the good news. I wholeheartedly believe if we walk with this revelation, we will walk in greater levels of freedom. The reason why? we sometimes struggle with walking in freedom is because we have forgotten who we are i'm here today to remind you who you are you are justified god has a good opinion of you you are no longer short of god's glory oh you have measured up in christ in the name of jesus when he sees you he sees himself Oh, are you are you kidding me? Are you Yes, the Bible says as he is so are we in this world. Yes, Glory to God. And it says that's why you can have boldness in the day of judgment. You know when you see these little You know, parodies of people going to heaven and it's the gate and and it's a long line and they're waiting to get in and hope I make it in and oh my God. You know, that's all fun and games, but that's not the reality. That's not the reality. The reality is the Bible says that in that day of judgment, oh my goodness, the day of judgment, you'll have boldness. Jesus. That means when the Lord is standing before you, your head won't be down. You won't be afraid. Oh, my God. No, you'll have boldness in the day of judgment. Why? Because as he is, so are we. That's a, hard, that's a lot for people to handle, but that's the good news. This is what the Lord is saying to believe. And the Lord told me this one time. He says, if you can have boldness in the day of judgment... How much more can you have in the day of grace? That means we should be living with boldness every single day. If I can have boldness before the throne, can I have boldness before my boss? Can I have boldness before a man? Can I have boldness before a situation? Can I have boldness before Satan himself? Can I have boldness before any dilemma, before any circumstance? If I can have boldness in that day, I can have boldness in this day. This is what Jesus is saying. Repent and believe the good news. Believe in this. Believe in this. This is what good news is. Is believing in the gospel. Another part of the gospel, like I said, it's the main part, the foundational part, one that Jesus died. Now think about it. Why is that good? Well, the Bible gives The reason he says, if Christ died, then we also died with him. If he was buried, this is found in Romans 6, we were buried with him through baptism. And it says, if we were buried with him through baptism, we will also be resurrected as he was, and we can walk in newness of life. So Jesus was, he. he, he obviously was crucified. He was buried. He resurrected. The Bible also declares that when we are resurrected, it won't be like the bodies that we have now. It'll be a glorious body. It will be a body that is not subject to the things that are subject that, that we're subject to now. And we will ascend. Everything that Jesus did, we will do. He died, we've died. To ourselves, We've died to sin. He was buried. We were buried in baptism by the Holy Spirit. He rose from the grave. We will resurrect. He ascended. We will meet with the Lord in the air. He's returning. Oh, we're returning with him. Everything that Jesus did, his death, his burial, his resurrection, his ascension. Oh, thank you, Jesus. Not only did he ascend, the Bible says he sat at the right hand of the Father. What does the Bible say? That we are now seated in Christ, in heavenly places. Every single thing that Jesus did, he gave us the same experience. That's why he is appropriately called the forerunner. He did it before. He did it for us. And we are following in the same pattern. Believe the good news in Jesus' name. I want you to know there is good news for you today. Jesus has a high opinion of you. You are free from everything that binds because he defeated everything that binds on the cross. And what he wants you to do is to make that confession your confession. For those who are not on our email list, I shared this this past uh, Saturday. And I encourage you, if you want to be on our email list, just visit our website. Uh, From time to time, I'll send inspirational uh, words and and just encouragement. But I shared something I just love to share because I believe it's so true, that your faith is so amazing because you have believed in the most radical things. You believed in someone who rose, who died and rose from the grave 2,000 years before you were born. Think about that. And you've trusted him for all of your eternity. That was the hardest thing. It may have seemed simple to you, but that was the hardest thing you could believe. How how do you have faith to believe for something that took place 2,000 years ago and believe that that thing that took place 2,000 years ago affects all of your eternity? It upholds your standing in God. It keeps you completely secure in Christ. I'm here to encourage you. That's the good news. So if ever you're faced with something that seems daunting, that seems challenging, all you need to look to is your salvation. All you need to do is look at what you've already believed. You believe that the eternal God lives inside of you. Your debt, that's nothing. A condition in your body, that's nothing. A family needing to be restored, that's nothing. Something that you are believing God for, I want you to compare it to salvation and say, wait a minute, if my faith was big enough, strong enough to secure my eternal destiny, this thing cannot measure up. I believe the good news. Somebody shout, I believe the good news. Oh, yes, I know you do. When you believe the good news, you see the good news in your life. And I'm just speaking goodness over you today. Good news is your portion. Good news, good news, good news, good news, good news. If you hear something negative, if you hear something that's not true, if you hear something that is contrary to the word, you need to do what Jesus did because Jesus also heard bad news. I think about Jairus' daughter, he's on his way to heal her, they interrupt him and say, Jairus, it's over, don't worry. Don't trouble the master anymore, it's over, she's dead. Jesus immediately, before Jairus had an opportunity to say anything, he immediately said, don't be afraid, only believe. So here's what I want to encourage you today. What are you saying when you hear negative news? Because if you don't have a response, I'm going to be very clear with you. If you don't have a response, whether you like it or not, you've received it. You need to challenge what you hear. No, I don't accept that. No, I don't believe that. No, I, I stand against. No, I will not accept that. You need to reject words that will snuff you out of God's best for your life. You need to have an immediate response for what God has said. That's how the good news remains in you. I remember reading an article years ago. It just just surprised me. I think it was in Black Enterprise or uh, Ebony Magazine, one of the two. And it was an article about how mothers are now teaching their daughters, hey, don't don't even, don't, even, don't even think about getting married. That's not a thing for us, all right? That's not even a thing for us. Go to school, get your money. You know, you, you can have a kid or two, that's fine, but don't think about marriage. That's not reality. Yes, in the, in the magazine, mothers are sharing this with their daughters. Why? How? Because they've come to a point where they stop believing the good news, This is why Jesus steps in. This is what the gospel means. The gospel invades your life. It stops you in your tracks and says, you may have been going through this, and this may be the situation, and this may be what you're used to, but I'm challenging you today. Believe the good news. Believe something different. Believe that I have better for you. Believe it. All throughout scripture, that's what the gospel means. Gideon, he was the lowest of his tribe. His tribe is being ransacked by the Midianites. He's hiding the food so that they won't take what he has planted. What happens? An angel appears to Gideon and says, you, you're a mighty man of valor. He's like, what are you talking about? Don't you see I'm hiding my food? I, I'm the lowest of my tribe. My tribe is weak. Where, and where are all the miracles that our fathers have talked about? And then the angel completely ignores what he says and says, you go in that same night. In other words, I'm here to give you good news, not to talk about what has happened, not to talk about what has not gone right. I'm here to turn the page. The gospel is a turn. It's it's a page turner. It it, it turns the page off the past and it points you into a new direction. That's what the gospel means. When Jesus stepped into the scene, he said, I'm coming to change the conversation. I'm coming to change the order of things. It's a new world order. I'm here. That's what the gospel represents. And every one of you are going to have to make that decision. Every one of you, you're going to have to come to a point in your life where you say, I know what has been. I know what I have seen. I know what I have believed. But what happens from this point forward? Every person is going to have a decision to draw on a reference from the past or draw from the good news of the present. And you're going to have to make a decision. I know what has been, but what is God saying today? He's saying, believe the good news. Abraham, I know the deadness of your wife's womb. I know you're old, but believe the good news. Something can change right now. Gideon, something can change right now. Woman of the issue of blood, she said, I know it's been 12 years, but... Something can change right now. If I can just touch the hem of his garment, something can change right now. I'm believing something different. I know I've been an outcast. I know no one wanted to touch me. I know I had no community. I had to be alone. But something can change right now. I know I've been single for longer than I wanted to be. But something can change right now. I know I've been struggling through school. But something can change right now. Lord, I believe the gospel. I believe the good news. I believe that right now something can change. I'm telling you, uh, Jesus said something very powerful. He said, do you think Naaman was the only leper? He said, do you think Naaman was the only leper? There was many lepers, but God chose to heal him. You know why he said that? And now, Naaman struggled at first, but then he got it. He was trying to say, God responds to the believer. I don't care if I have to skip over all the lepers. I'm looking for one person that says, that's me. I'll take that, Lord. I'm going to be the exception, Lord. I'm going to be the one standing in the gap for my family. I'm going to be the one that turns this generational curse around. I'm going to be the one that sees the redemption of my children. I'm going to be the one that operates in the power of God. I'm going to be the one that seeks after God and lives for him with all of my life. I believe the gospel. That's what, that's what the gospel means. That's what it represents. Someone who, it, it it it's a message that invades your life. It tells you, repent, believe something different. I know it has been, but I'm doing something new right now. Engage with that. And I believe that this is a place and a time where we're going to no longer. Accept the status quo. No longer live life sleeping at the wheel. No, 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 no. We're going to believe what God said in Jesus' name. I feel a champion spit in the room. I feel that. I feel a champion spit in the room. I feel like God is encouraging someone to win right now. too much losing, too much, too much... Too much head down. Too much moping and, and, and just, no, no, no. Too much losing. I feel the Lord is saying it ends right now. Believe the gospel. Believe the good news. Believe the good news. No more losing. No more losing. No more losing. In the name of Jesus. Believe the gospel. Bow your head. I want to pray with those who may not have accepted Jesus Christ. As I wrap up, I wanna invite every person in this room who may not have received Jesus, I wanna invite you into a relationship with him. I wanna be very clear about what I'm asking here. If you've never surrendered your life to Jesus, this is your moment, this is all about you right now. What I'm talking to you about is this, God is requiring you to yield your life to him, to say, I surrender. I want to live my life in accordance to you. I don't want to be on the throne of my own life anymore. Lord, take the throne of my heart. I want you you to think about that. If if, if that's not you, if, if you've never made that decision yet, this moment is now all for you. I'm inviting you to make Jesus the king of your heart, to take the throne in your life. Say this with me, Father, in the name of Jesus, be the king of my heart. I invite you into my life. Jesus, I know you died for me. You rose on the third day and you're alive today. Be my Lord, my personal savior. I receive you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Praise God. I just salute you and congratulate you. If you've made that decision, God bless you. We want to encourage you from this day forward. We want to help you grow spiritually because what you did is amazing, but if you don't grow, you'll never experience the fullness of that decision. So what you do. Let us know that you've made that decision to receive Christ. Again, if you need a connection card or a pen, our ushers are here to serve you with one. There's a place where you can indicate, I have received Christ. You can also go to that Connect site, nylifechurch.com slash connect. But we want to know that you've made this decision. We wanna send you some materials. We wanna help you grow. We wanna encourage you. We wanna pray with you. We wanna get you connected to what God is doing here. We believe that this is your moment in the name of jesus so if you've received christ for the first time congratulations you are a child of god in the name of jesus you are a child of the most high god hallelujah let's bless the lord father thank you thank you lord god for speaking into our lives thank you for the gospel the good news thank you lord god that you have plans for us that are all good And we with courage will go forward. We will faith. With faith will go forward. We will Lord. In the name of Jesus. No more losing. Only winning. In the name of the Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Bless your name Father. Thank you Jesus. Thank you Lord. This concludes today's message. If you need prayer, want to give a donation, or would like more information about Life Church, visit us at www.nylifechurch.com.